Welcome to the Book Hub, an online event space hosted by Luther Seminary. This episode from the Grace and Gigabytes book launch features the author Ryan Panzer and guest Kristen Wiersma. Our next presenter moving right along here is Kristen Wiersma. Uh, Kristen is a consultant with a company called The Joshua Group. And uh, I connected with Kristen because she was helping my church here in Madison, Wisconsin to implement a shared leadership model, which is so important to the, uh, the digital age value of collaboration within our congregations. Kristen has worked with congregations and organizations for years to shape their missional identity. Uh, and there's a lot of focus on communication and financial stewardship. Uh, she lives in the Twin Cities uh, with her husband, Hans, who's also a Lutheran pastor and an associate professor at Augsburg University. So Kristen, thanks so much for, for joining us today. We look forward to learning from you. Thank you. Thanks, everybody. I'm glad I got my copy too, read it. Woo! Yay, Ryan! Good thing, good thing. So uh, thanks for having me. This is really fun. Um, I work my, I'm going to go a different direction if that's okay. As I think about the, the values that Ryan highlighted for us in his little mini PowerPoint as he opened us up, we talked about the value of questions as kind of a cultural value and driver in this time, collaboration, hybrid connection, which Pastor Stuff talked about, and creativity. So I'm going to be talking about change because I do a lot of work with change and transformational change. <clears throat> And I want to um, be able to talk with you a little bit about the anatomy of change. So that's what we're going to talk about. So um, when we think about how organizations change and change now, there's a lot of things to think about. So there's kind of the processes, and then there's also the context. So I want to be really thoughtful about it. So here's a couple things I'd say. Uh, watch out. Um, one is that um, although Ryan has given us some awesome and other other authors as well, some awesome things to think about in terms of where we're going, we don't really know. <laughs> so part of it is not coming up with an end mine and saying we have to get here or we're going to be a failure. I think um, part of our um, being ensconced in a really secure place in our culture over the last couple hundred years as a church has made us kind of <clears throat> relax into that but we really don't know where we're going but we have faith and trust and so we're just gonna trust that God's Holy Spirit's at work and we're just gonna step out a second thing is if anyone promises you a quick fix or you go to a workshop and you're gonna find the next step to a better church or the you know answer to all your gigabyte dreams um be suspicious um, you um, are uniquely gifted and, um, and set in a context, and it is up for you to determine how you want to move forward with your people about where that goes. And it's not going to be quick, usually. Um, another thing, just like um, Ryan pointed out, uh, collaboration, connection, creativity, those are joint things. And we're moving from a time when this can, then the future and the vision and our strategic plan and all those things in the future are determined by a small group of leaders. We are moving into a flattened time when the organization is really going to be owned by the people. And they're going to, it's going to be part of their sense of discipleship and calling that they're a part of uh, a change. They're a part of something bigger than themselves. And it's not going to be a top-down thing. And the last thing, that it's worth it. Um, God is a God of wilderness wanderers and, and holy struggles. And so um, God is with us. And, and it's worth it for us to, to um, move into this time. 
last slide full of a lot of words. Um, what change will allow for us? Um, this is really important. Change will allow us to let go of things. Let go of things that are holding us back, containing us, confining us, not able to grow, stretch, be creative, move in new ways, whether that's comfortable or uncomfortable for us right now. Um, change also allows uh, um, us to really root ourselves in a new way, deep, deep into our calling as a church, deep into our understanding of what the church is for. What, what are we? What are we to be doing? Um, change also allows us to share this journey. So it's not just owned by leadership or those few people who are close to the center, but really owned by all the people. Um, the next is really that sense of shared purpose and shared vision, which is uh, really a key. I know um, Ryan talks about it in his book, but that shared leadership model, huge. Um, that sense of kind of flattening the organization and giving the key to the kingdom to everybody to go out into their own living rooms and neighborhoods and be able to live that just as authentically as the person who's wearing the, the, uh, the clerical collar. And lastly, I mean, change allows a lot of things, but these are the things that came to mind. It lowers our defenses, hopefully. Change will help us to really open ourselves up to learning and lower our defensiveness because we're, we don't need to protect Christendom. We don't need to protect the church that has been, but really we are going to be open then to something new. So I'm using the, the uh, metaphor of an, uh, the anatomy of a healthy change based on the idea that there's a lot of systems in our human bodies, right? There's the GI system, there's the vascular system, there's the um, skeletal system. And when we think about our bodies, we're well aware that when one change happens in one system, it can affect all kinds of other systems. And as we think about the corpus of the church body, I think it's helpful for us to just be thinking about the layers um, so that we aren't too naive about how change happens. I would hate for us to go, oh, if we simply, um, Ryan says we need to do this, or somebody else says we should do this, and then just go and implement that thinking that's going to happen. But it's really a bigger organic system-wide thing. So it, it's good for us to think about our anatomy as the body of Christ. So I'm going to do this nice and fast. And if you have questions or you want to have a conversation, I'd be happy to jump on the phone with you um, and or talk with your leadership. And we can talk about what this looks like in your own context. But really, I only chose three because that's all I have time for. A missional system, which is the thing that directs the behavior um, towards a goal, right? Um, hopefully, uh, in the congregation that's set in our values and, and our, our mission statement and the work that we focus on. As everybody knows who's been a part of a church, there's an, an emotional system that happens. And sometimes um, that flares up depending on what we're experiencing. But it's good for us to be thinking about the emotional journey that people are going on, especially now in this time, and how we can steward the whole thing um, to make sure that we are thinking through all these parts. And then, of course, the change design system, the actual steps logistically that you move through in order to get to change. So the missional system is really the purpose or mission. It could be we holy purpose. It could be your reason for being, whatever. Um, shared values. These are not things that we like education, worship, those are not values. Those are, pro, you know, those are programs. Shared values are things that drive behavior. So they're uniquely held and shared in a culture, a church culture, and they shape the behavior. So everybody could have the same mission statement. It's going to be lived out differently in a unique culture because there's beliefs about how that happens. So shared values are really important and they're more powerful than you think. So it's good to be paying attention to them. And then, of course, our vision for the future. So those are three things that make up the missional system. 
So why is this so important? Well, if y'all have been uh, watching Simon Sinek's Golden Circle, he talks about that um, there are kind of three at the base categories of things that we're about. Everybody knows what we do. Those are the products that we create. And for churches, that looks like worship at at 10 o'clock. Uh, it could be Sunday school. It could be quilters. It could be. So you can imagine that what circle being filled in with all kinds of products or, or um, prod programs that we have been a part of and have chosen at one point or another to use as tools to do our mission. The how, the, the kind of the middle one, is really unique ways that we do. So we're ELCA. We believe in grace. We are. Um, we're. Pro, we do proclamation. We believe in healing the, the the neighborhood with the programs and so forth. So that's kind of your unique way that you do it. And why is that missional thing? That's the whole. Um, your mission statement, your values, and your vision for the future. Now, most churches don't spend a ton of time um, cultivating and focusing on the why. So what happens is that those what's get filled in and become the thing that people attach themselves to, and they have experienced God through the quilters or that worship service. So what happens is that becomes their preference, and that becomes their why. And then when we try, when we choose to go, huh, things are changing, maybe we should change our what's in response to what's happening in the world, we can't because we've cemented those things so tightly into the what we believe about ourselves that we just can't we can't move that. So the job of a church leadership across the board is to really take parents to that system the why so that people I'm kind of behind here so that people can let go of those things and stop um, making that their reason for being and really um, allow themselves to be in love with the why. So you see this dysfunctional thing uh, slide here. It talks about persons, place, personality, and programs. And those often become so big in our church cultures and our church life together that they take precedent over our mission, like what we're actually supposed to be doing. And then we decide that we want to be preferential and we'd rather, you know, you can't take away my thing because I love it instead of remembering that that was the tool that was created at some point to do the work. So it's really important for us in the missional system in any kind of change no matter what, technologically, socially, um, demographically, we need to make sure that we're paying attention and stewarding our missional system. Next, of course, is the emotional system. And there's three movements um, in letting go of the neutral zone and new beginnings. But the first one is catalyst, understanding why we come to the edge. Well, 2020 has got us all on the edge of something. <laughs> Um, and so it's important for you to be thinking as leaders about where, where are people with their emotional sense of why we need to change? Is it coming from a place of, well, we've got some good money and resources we should be doing more for the community? Uh, maybe it's, um, I want to be, I want to be more in alignment with what the culture is, is um, how it's shaping how we are together and we need to do some change. Maybe it's that we're out of touch um, and we need to move in a new direction. It's important for leaders to just at least know um, but not cater to the emotional um, system of the organization as they um, come to change. So everybody knows that you can't really move on to change unless you let go. So we've been through times of interim, right? When we let go, when we celebrate the goodbyes, when we grieve, when we acknowledge that things are ending, very, very difficult to move into new beginnings unless you let go. So the work, important work that has to happen here, again, doesn't need to be super managed by leaders, but it needs to be acknowledged. Letting go, grief, I don't know what's happening. I don't know, you know, I used to know what was up. 
um, an opportunity to root people again in that mission, in that foundational belief in what God's up to, even if we don't understand what's happening. Uh, this can be marking loss, making sure we're naming it, giving it credence and, and respect, and then giving it time. The next um, important thing is uh, the next movement really is the neutral zone. And we're kind of 2020 feels like we we're in this the whole time. And that is the space between, okay, we're disintegrated. We've fallen apart. We're kind of in bits and pieces now of what we used to be. And we haven't yet built a new thing. So we're in this weird Legos all over the floor kind of moment where we're not sure what we're supposed to be doing right now. It's kind of getting used to the fact that we are done with what was and we haven't yet moved into what's new so it's got a lot of ambiguity it's uh kind of this a little bit of leftover grief a lot of out of control so you see people act up if you've ever had a church where there's power vacuums people kind of behave kind of funny here um and so this is a time to, to think about what it feels like to be leading through a time of wilderness, right? So this is a wilderness wandering time. So this is, um, I don't have all the answers, but we're going to trust. Here's the path. Um, we're going to just believe what we set out to do and not try and fix this quickly with quick fixes or putting something on top so that we quell the desire to have some answers, especially 2020. And right now people just want answers. They want to be secure. So this is hard. This takes self-differentiation and a leader to be able to say, we're not sure what's coming, but um, boy, we got some opportunity to really reinvent what we want to have. So if we're tied tight to our mission, we can we can build this thing. So let's get going with the, with the, with the Lego. So we see a lot of churches who are really creative. Um, as pastor Steph was saying, the old stuff doesn't work. So how do we, let's try it. Um, with a real sense of, of ingenuity and innovation, not so much to be successful because we kind of let go of that need to kind of be perfect perfectionist, but really let's try and see. So a lot of freedom, a lot of people coming in and using gifts that weren't included in this old system. So really a neat chance to reinvent your culture. Then the next one, new beginnings. Uh, this is, everybody is ready for that. By the time it comes, boy, we've been waiting a long time. Um, and I would love to tell you that it's tidy, but it's not. So uh, this kind of fits and starts, we're figuring it out, uh, but certainly lots of good energy. It's like a mission start or when like a new energetic leader comes or we're starting something really cool, a lot of energy, a lot of places for people to, to jump in. So in the emotional system, new beginnings mean that leaders need to um, just to make sure we don't bounce back to what was because a really awesome default built in is that we're going to go back to what we know. And that would be really sad because we have an opportunity to do something really cool. So we want to make sure that we don't just go back to default. So leaders, we're going to root ourselves in purpose. What are we doing? We're doing this because we want to be freed to do what God's calling us to what's next. Uh, we were faithful in the past and it was awesome when we're gifted with this moment to really decide what we want to do. Um, we're going to use narrative to bring people out of kind of their, their discomfort into some hope right? Um, we're going to point them to the, the God who has all those promises um, and the community that carries them. So we want to make sure we use narrative to help people understand kind of the trajectory um, of that, the wandering, wilderness wanderings and finding the, the new place. Um, making and sharing a plan. So people want to know that they're not just going to live in this ambiguity all the time. They're going to start to see some plans take shape that match kind of what the will of the 
the um, the new beginning is going to be and also that they have a, a part to play. So people want to be part of something that's new and energizing. So we don't want to just give a plan that says you should just give money to it or come to this event. People want to know how they can participate and use gifts and can build something too. Um, so then the last um, the last system really fast is um, the change itself. Like, how would you move through change? So we got the missional system, which is kind of the thing that we're given to take care of. The emotional system, which is kind of the stew that we live in together as human beings. And this is actually the steps, right? The logistical steps that you would go through in change. So the first thing is listening. We don't know what we don't know. So it's really important when you're doing transformational change, especially in a church, that we listen deeply. That's the whole system, the whole elephant, right? So that's people inside, outside, all around. That's community members. That's people who live, in the, live next door. The church down that street maybe has something to say to us. The school, the um, I don't know, the police guy who walks down the street and keeps our neighborhood safe. Um, we want everybody to be able to weigh in and say, here's an accurate picture. So those, that's surveys, that's, um, that could be focus groups, that could be um, conversations, town hall meetings, people writing stories, sharing recordings. It doesn't matter. The idea is to get as many people to participate as possible. Then the next step is to really take a look at this. And the idea is that you have and a chance as a congregation to change your understanding of who you are in your context, to be more accurate, to add more accurately reflect who you are in the context. So you may think of yourself as 50 years ago when we lived and when we were the thing going in, in town, but now this is who we are. And when everybody can have a more accurate sense of self uh, as, an, as a congregation, you have a better chance of um, people not pushing back on change because they see it, they own it, they're going to work on it. So when we can understand our neighbor, our calling, and we can really spend some time in that, 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 is, that is the key. So discernment, we're almost done, is really when we have this generative time when we sit down together and say, the pastor doesn't say, I have it all figured out. I know where we should go or the you know, council president. It's really a chance to have let the Holy Spirit go. What is, what is, what are we doing? What we have a chance because we have this mission that doesn't change. And we're put in this context right now, right here in the world is changing. You know, who does God call us to be? How can we be faithful? Not for the whole world, not to do everything, but just to do what we do well, using our gifts, our context, our skills, our passions, um, and serve those around us or in partnership with those around us. And then let's put some plans together and try some stuff. So when you bring people along and they're part of the process, your whole system, your whole congregation, and let them participate with you in this building of the of the plans, they are more likely to own it, to do it, to pay for it, and to be really excited about it um, because it is participative. And I would argue that that's actually discipleship. When people understand that they've been gifted, they've been challenged, and they are to find ways that they're going to partner with um, the church to do the work. So the last one, implementation, right? Living it out. Um, you can come up with all kinds of ways that this could happen, but for sure, we're going to root it deeply in who you are as a missional 
kind of outposts in the world. We're going to do it out loud. We're going to do it with others. It's going to be open. It's not going to be fancy, probably like Pastor Steph said. And we're going to be open to evaluating it. Did it work? Did it work? Because we are more rooted in our purpose rather than kind of did our program um, maintain over the years, we are much more able to, um, to vacillate, to change, to turn because we are rooted in the right stuff. Um, and so uh, those are the three systems that I thought might be most helpful for you all. As you think about how the world is changing and those elements that, that Ryan talks about in his book call us to a new way as a body um, to consider our context and how, what our people need and how God might be calling us forward. So there's my info. You're welcome to give me a holler, shoot me a text, call me. Um, I'm sure they can share all this info. A couple of easy books. Um, Managing Transitions book um, by the Bridges. They are really helpful in terms of managing uh, change loss um, in organizations. And I would argue that churches are hyper um, <laughs> emotional systems. And then everybody knows the, um, the Canoeing the Mountains book, which is some really fun um, imagery and so forth. So that is what I got. And I think we might even be out of time. Sorry, Ryan. Yo, Kristen, I have just, uh, we have time for one quick question. So, so Mike asked... Uh, if you can point to congregations that are that are modeling this type of communal discernment. I can. I'd be happy to. Um, I can um, be glad to do that offline. I have a couple of clients who are working through and trying to engage. I have some Colorado Springs. I have some out in Sacramento and um, Pennsylvania that are um, working really, really hard. Ryan's church has done a lot of good work this way. Um, so absolutely. And it's hard and it takes a little bit longer, but is more authentic and genuine, I think, to what people understand being part of a body is.